0: Hey, welcome. It's the Impact Church Podcast starting a new sermon series called What Is Jesus Doing? W-I-J-D. What? Not what, what was Jesus doing, like W-W-J-D. What would he do? I don't have to wonder what would he do because he's with me right now. And I'm in constant communion with him. And I can know by the revelation of the Spirit, what is Jesus doing right now? So we're going to talk about the foundation for that. The foundation of operating in the what is Jesus doing is to be living in a constant realm of the faith rest of God. So come on, let's start. Lay a foundation for us to start to reveal what is Jesus doing. Here we go. Amen. All right, we're starting a new series today, and it's a what is Jesus doing? Come on, what is Jesus doing? How many, you got your wristband already? Did you get your wristband? How many, if you didn't get a wristband, we can get you one. But the wristband is what is Jesus doing? And you put that on right at the end of your hand. And then at the end of your hand, when you put this wristband on, you get superhuman strength. Like you immediately are turned into a kingdom monster. Like at the end of your hand, when you stretch your hand and touch people, they get blessed they get healed they get set free literally when you put this on the end of your arm becomes a deposit it becomes a depository it becomes a a place where heaven invades earth and the kingdom of God touches broken situations when you put one of these around your wrist you can even lay hands on yourself we're talking about what is Jesus doing and not what was Jesus doing is I don't want to go gee what what would Jesus do if he were here right now? I wonder what he would do in this circumstance. Well, you don't have to wonder what he would do because you are walking in union with the spirit of Christ so you can know because you're in full communion with him, you can walk every day knowing what Jesus is doing. Only because you get one of these wristbands. Otherwise, you're just stone deaf, can't hear a thing in the spirit realm. But this just can't... But I'm putting it there just to remind you, just to remind you that, you know what? You are a dispenser of heavenly favors everywhere you go. So we want to start this series off. I want to talk about the foundation that you need to establish so that you can begin to walk this out. We're going to talk about it for weeks. We're going to talk about what is Jesus doing. But I want to lay a foundation for this series right now. Can I get an amen? You don't want me to think the first service was better, do you? Hey, how many want the second service to be the best? Woo! Come on, second service! Second service! Woo! Woo! Alright, then you gotta do a bit better. I'm just saying, they were pretty awesome. <laughs> maybe, maybe they exceeded my expectations. Alright, I know a man. A little quote here from a fella. He says, I know, I know men. I know that I know men. And I'll tell you that Jesus Christ is no mere man. I know man, and let me tell you. Jesus Christ is no mere man. Between him and every other person in the world, there is no possible term of comparison. Alexander, Alexander the Great, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I have founded empires. But I tell you, none of them, there's no one. None of these guys can compare to Jesus. But on what did we rest our creations and our genius upon force? Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love. And at this hour, millions of men would die for him. That was Napoleon Bonaparte. How many remember Napoleon Bonaparte? No, I mean, not like you met him or anything, because that was hundreds of years ago. But he's the guy who used to tuck his hand in there, right? My, I was telling my wife, I thought maybe it's because he didn't have toilet paper, but she said, that's not true. So she, she said, that's not, not true. But he used to tuck his hand in there. Now, Napoleon, he was a dictator, but he said, I'll tell you, No one like Jesus. I love that Jesus, his empire is founded on love. Can you say love? Because this is a love war. We're out there. We just want to love people. We want to love people into the goodness of God. So we're going to be talking about what is Jesus doing? First and foremost, he's manifesting love. Hebrews 4 verse 3, it says, For those of us who believe, any believers here today? Those of us who believe, faith activates the promise. Say promise. Faith activates the promise, and we experience, I love this phrase, the realm of confident rest. Confident rest. Those of us who believe, our faith creates and activates the promise. And what is the promise? The promise is we are established, and we are fixed in the realm of confident rest. Now, if we're going to be used by Jesus, and we are every day, if God wants to, in and through us, transform the world and that is his plan then we have to be fixed in this one thing because what his promise secures in us is a realm of confident rest. Amen. Thank you. Got a little storm here. Got a little picture of a storm. You see that? It's right there. Boom. How many been to Sunday school? Went to Sunday school? How many did not go to Sunday school? How many people don't even know what Sunday school is? How many people are not putting your hand up, no matter what? Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you. I went to Sunday school. I grew up in church. Back of my head's flat because I slept on a lot of pews. Cut my teeth on a hymnal. But my dad was a pastor. My dad's dad was a pastor. My mom's dad was a pastor. Just pastors, pastors, pastors. And I was in church every time it was open. But I mean, I, I did a lot of Sunday school. I made a lot of Sunday school teachers cry. I tell you. But I used to. How I many? I remember flannel graphs. Anybody remember flannel graphs? I love flannel graphs. Even sometimes I'd be at the church with my dad and he'd be working on something. I'd go down pull out the flannel graph and I'd make out my own little scenes and little armies running across Jesus in the boat and make all kinds. He used to love the flannel graph. But we'd be talking about this story. And when you talk about this story, I mean, Jesus was in the boat and a storm would come up. But when Jesus, when you got Jesus in your boat, you might be in the boat and the storm does not seem to give up. I mean, the winds... They will not give up. I mean, you are opposed on every side. But when you got Jesus in your boat, even though the storm is not responding to you, if you have Jesus in your boat, you can say, wake up, Jesus, and Jesus will arise in your circumstances, and he will speak to the storm, and you will be delivered in the storm. He will set you free. He will say, peace, be still, and the storm will die at his very word. Now, that's all true and I was messing with you a little bit there. I was messing. How many knew I was messing with you a little bit? Little bit, little bit. If that were the story, we could close in prayer right now. And it is the story. When you're in a bad spot, you can call on Jesus and he'll help you. He's an ever-present help in a time of story, in a time of story, in a time of trouble. He is. He really is. And he'll calm the storm for you. He really will. But that's not the lesson in the story. And if that's all we take away from it, we haven't learned what Jesus really wanted to teach us in the boat and in the storm. And we're going to learn that today. Yes, be confident that he will. When you cry out to him, he will respond. And he'll come and he'll deal with your circumstances. But that's not the lesson. What is the lesson, Pastor? I'm glad you asked me. Mark chapter 4, we're going to talk about the storm that happened in Mark chapter 4. But leading up to Mark chapter 4, we see Jesus and we see an acceleration of his ministry. We see him healing people, delivering people. We see him manifesting the power of God. We see just great demonstrations of authority over demonic things. And we just see Jesus. There's a a group of people become his followers and they're following him and they're with him. And he's teaching and he's healing and he's delivering every day. What's he going to do today? Every day was just such a powerful demonstration of the power and the majesty of Jesus. What's he gonna do today? Wasn't yesterday awesome? What's he gonna do today? Well, he's ministering in Mark chapter 4. And while he was ministering, he was telling stories and parables. And they're like, why do you talk in parables? He says, I talk in parables so people will get interested. But those who really want to know, they'll pursue it further. But he says, "He says they may only receive parables. So here's what he said to them. He said to them, the privilege of intimately knowing the mystery of God's kingdom realm has been granted to you. The mystery of intimate knowledge of the kingdom realm has been granted. you. It's gifted to you. It's the gift of Jesus to give you intimate revelation of how the kingdom functions and how the kingdom works. Now that was the lesson. That's what he's saying. He's saying you've been with me. I am the king of glory. I am the Lord over all creation and it's been given you to understand the kingdom. That there's a new realm. There's a new domain. There's a new sheriff in town and I am Jesus and you've seen me minister and exercise authority over the brokenness of this world. It's been given to you to understand. Hello. It's been given to you. This is what he said to them. That's what he told them. All right, let's go down. Mark four thirty-five. On the same day. Say same day. Same day. The very same day, the same day that he taught them, the same day that he manifested the power and authority that he had to them, that same day when he said to them, you have been granted revelation of how the kingdom functions. You have got a deep, intimate acquaintance with the power and the function of the kingdom of heaven. Hallelujah. Then he said the same day, here's what he said. He said to them, say, he said to them, who said it? Whose idea was this? Who's asking you this? Who put this in your heart? Who said this is our mission for today? He said to them, let us cross over to the other side. If he said cross over to the other side, where are we going to find ourselves? Safe, complete, totally in the place that he commanded us. Where are we going to find our place? Where? Amen. There's a few people here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If Jesus said it, is he going to do it? Is he a man that he should lie or is he God Almighty and he honors every one of his words? That's by Jesus. Jesus honors every one of his words. He said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in a boat. They took him along in the boat. They took him along in the boat. And there were other little boats with him. Now that would have made a lot of sense. They took him along in the boat and there were other boats that were with him. But look at that little phrase. They took him along in the boat as he was. I looked at that and I thought, that's really peculiar. It, it almost seems grammatically odd. They took him in the boat as he was. Like what? Did he have mustard on his shirt? I mean, like he took it. did he, what? Like as he was, did he not get a haircut that day? What was he? They took him, they took him in the boat as he was. And other little boats were with him. And a great say mega. That's where we get this word. It's right here. The word great in the Greek is megas. That's where we get the word mega. What's mega to you? When you would say mega, yeah, it's mega. It was big, huge. It was great. I mean, it's massive. Mega. Well, it's used three times in this little passage. Mega, and it says there was a great not not just a windstorm, but there was a mega windstorm. I mean mega. Off the chart. Windstorm. The word windstorm means violent, furious gusts with flood rains. So there were violent, furious, angry winds. Not a wind, not a... It was like band. It was like it was like these gusts of wind were hammering us and we're getting bashed around and there's flood rains there's black thunderous clouds and we are being smashed all about on the lake who told you to go on the lake that night? Jesus maybe Jesus sometimes leads us into difficult places he clearly did here sometimes he leads you into difficult places sometimes remember when he said we must go through Samaria he took them through Samaria and they were in a place where they were confronted with their own internal biases and bigotry and they were there and he said now go over go and buy some food over at the market and they're like why are we here we don't even talk to Samaritans they Samaritans were worse than Gentiles They didn't even think they were real people. And Jesus made them confront their own bigotry. And he took them places that were uncomfortable for them. And Jesus will take you into places that will cause you discomfort. Can I get an amen? It's true. Who told you to go across the lake? Jesus. Here I am standing in my obedience. And I'm facing a violent storm. What brought you here? Disobedience? No. No. Thank you, Stephen. You're so awesome. Was it close to the edge? Another. All right, it's a mega. It's a mega windstorm, mega violent storm. Now, the word arose. Say arose. Arose. That word arose means it was instantaneous. It came out of nowhere. It's like we're just enjoying the ride. I mean, a violent immediate manifestation of an attack this was a massive attack and they had an attack that came out of nowhere they didn't expect it they weren't looking for it we're just calmly obeying jesus word to go to the other side and in the process of obeying his word to go to the other side we have a ridiculous spontaneous violent attack in the middle of this process how many are tracking with me just a little bit All right, it arose, it came out of nowhere and the waves beat upon the boat so that it was already filling up. It beat upon the boat. I mean, you're getting tossed every which way. You just toss. It feels like the boat's going to flip. You're, you're hitting this side. You're going to that side. You're trying to bucket water out, and you're getting banged around. You can feel the cold water around your knees, and you're going, man, we're going to die. This is just not good. And you're just fighting with everything to hang on for your dear life, everything. Where it's filling up, we're about to sink. But he, what was Jesus doing? He was asleep. He was in the stern of the boat. This, this was not this was not Carnival Cruise Lines. It wasn't like Jesus is on the promenade deck and he's got a, a lovely cabin up there and you know apparently he can't can't feel the storm. No, Jesus is on a pillow in the stern of the boat and he's there. And what is the boat full of? Cold, nasty water from the lake. His pillow is getting soaked with water. He's getting sloshed around with water. But what is Jesus doing in the back of the boat? He is asleep. You're fighting for your life. You're concerned. You're not going to make it. You feel like I'm going to perish. And you turn around and look at Jesus. And Jesus is like. (sniffs) We just dedicated a baby in the early service. Sleeping babies, nothing like it. I could steer sleeping babies all day. But sleeping adults, (sniffs) not so pretty. (laughs) Jesus is snoozing right now. He's sleeping through this whole thing. The boat is filling up. And they awoke him. Jesus, I wasn't gonna bother you because I, I trusted that we were gonna be fine, but the rest of the boys were a little bit afraid, and they thought maybe they thought maybe maybe we could wake you up on this one. So Jesus woke up. They woke Jesus. But here's here's what he said to them. Here's what he said. What an awful thing to say. You ready? And I've said it. Maybe you've said it. You ever been in a really bad, nasty situation and you're where you are because you're following Jesus but you're, you're following him? I, I'm not here because of some act of disobedience. I'm not running from you. I'm in the boat with you. I'm in the center of your will right now and I'm experiencing a lot of grief. So I'm beginning to wonder right now, don't you care if we perish? Hello, look how really quiet in this Presbyterian church. You ever been in that space? You ever been in a place where, don't you, do you not care right now? Have you ever been in a spot where you're going, like, God, like, I could use a little help right now and it looks like you're snoozing on this one. And I don't know, but it seems like the heavens are dark and, and running up again. I, I got things in my life that are annoying to me. They're bothering me. i got an attack on my body. i got an attack on my family. There's things going on in my world that I'm crying out to you and there's no change. There's nothing going on. It looks like you're asleep on the job. It says that you're in ever-present help in a time of trouble, but I'm not seeing any transformation, and I know I'm in the center of your will. Are you with me? So that nasty storm arose, and they said, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care? Don't you care? He didn't say, let's go die in the lake. Did he say, let's go die in the lake? Did he say, let's go die in the lake? What did he say? Let's cross over. So if he said let's cross over, do not ever let what is between you and the fulfillment of God's word change your outlook on him or your circumstance or your situation. Don't ever devalue his word, devalue his promise. Don't ever let that happen. It's one of the saddest things in the world is when we say to God, I've come to the conclusion, you don't give a rip about what's going on in my life right now. Now, if you've never done that, God bless you, but I've done that lots. But I want you to know that if we're going to step into the season, and it is a season where we're going to see transformation, healing, and breakthrough all over the place. We're going to see a great revelation of Jesus Christ, and we're going to see the city of London totally transformed because we're going to start walking around going, what is Jesus doing? But you know what? In the middle of what Jesus is doing and you seeing what Jesus is doing, sometimes you're going to get a violent attack. And Jesus rebuked this attack. Therefore, we know this wasn't from his father because he wouldn't rebuke his father. He only did what he saw the father doing. So we know that this was a spontaneous blast of demonic oppression that was trying to keep Jesus and these fellows from realizing their destiny. But I want you to know, even in this circumstance, what does Jesus do when that's going on? What is Jesus doing? He is... Sleeping. So the lesson is what should you do? Get a pillow and take a nap. What? Yeah, I tell you, because you know what? If his word was that we're going to cross over to the other side, not one of his words will ever fail or fall to the ground. And you can trust him. And the best thing for you to do in that circumstance is begin to rest that his word is always and every promise is yes and amen in Jesus Christ. (laughs) Can I get a witness anywhere from anybody? Hey, I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Over every depression, every darkness, every hopeless situation, we say Jesus. I got nothing else. I don't need anything else. There's nothing more. I rest in the fact that Jesus and the finished work of the cross is enough. I don't have to add a single thing to it. Hello. Hello. All right, his word, his word. Look at let's carry on the story. Then he arose and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, peace. And it's not shalom. That's not the word that was used here. It's not irene, which is the Greek word for peace. It's the word shut up. It's the word hush. It's an involuntary command. An involuntary command is, a voluntary command is, hey, you could, if you want, move up to the front row. Would anybody like to move to the front row? And then you could say, yeah, I'll pass. This is not a Pass. This is shut up right now, and there's no other choices to be made. I insist that you stop this instant. And that's what Jesus did. He got up and he spoke, and everything paid attention to his voice. Everything. Be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great. Here we go, magus again. I told you there's megus. We're gonna see magus three times. Now we saw what did we see. We saw a mega storm. Megus violent storm popped out of nowhere. And now we see a great hush, a mega hush pops in. Boom! A stillness comes, and there was a great calm. There was a mega calm. And this calm happened all at once. It was instantaneous. Every single element, every single molecule, every single thing right down to its fabric, its DNA, everything was, it was shut down instantly at the voice of Jesus. It wasn't like, oh, that was good, Jesus. Things are calming down, woo. Maybe, maybe one more time, shout hush one more time, Jesus, one, two, three, everybody, hush. Ooh, it's getting more settled. Oh, the winds are settling. It was, and it was gone. And it wasn't just calm. It was dead calm. Everything stopped. And it all paid attention. To Jesus word. Hey. I'm preaching better than your amen. Hey. Go to the other side. There's a storm. Don't you care. Hush. Now. He said, why are you so fearful? We're going to die here. Like, this was a pretty messy storm. I fish on this lake. I grew up on this lake. That was a violent storm. What are you kidding me? Why were you so fearful? Why did you have no faith? What's faith? And faith comes by the word and hearing the word of God. What was the word of God? Cross over to the other side. Don't let anything, no matter how violent, no matter what it looks like, we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. And we stand by the word of God. And if God spoke that word, we're not going to be shaken or moved. Can I get an amen from the back row? Hey. Hey, hey, why? Why have you got no faith? Now, it wasn't settled gradually. It didn't let calm down. It was a dead calm. Hendricks Bible commentary says this. It says, the winds and the waves synchronize in the sublime symphony of solemn silence. It's a lot of alliteration there, right? You see, there was, what did you experience? What happened right there? There was a synchronization, a sublime symphony of solemn silence. Instantly. Every element, every fabric of creation was shut down and it was stilled at the voice of Jesus. You got a storm going on in your life right now? Boy, the voice of Jesus, it'll shut it right down. Not a little bit, not calmly, but instantly. See, what is Jesus doing? What is Jesus doing? What is Jesus doing? There's storms out there, there's things out there, there's noisy winds out there devouring people's lives. There's winds ooh, inflation and oh interest rates and ooh and a new disease. Ooh, another another coronavirus. There's another strand of that. Ooh, there's that. Yes. rubbish. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. What's his word over you? Does he care for you? Will he take care of every one of your needs? Are all your needs met in Christ Jesus? Are they or aren't they? This isn't some little social club to pat each other on it. How are you doing? Oh, kind of rough. Me too. Oh, well, you know, Jesus will get us through it. So we're here because we've been given an intimate revelation of the kingdom of God and how those things function. We've been given a deep revelation of the king of glory who didn't come just to help us through this mess and then get us to heaven. He came so that he could get some people into the kingdom because he's the king of kings and he could get a bunch of people who could learn how to reign and rule in this life over every circumstance and start to manifest his kingdom. We're not trying to get people to heaven, we're trying to bring heaven to earth and transform our cities and communities. Hey, so that's why we, we need this. We need this foundational word because we're gonna start doing that. You're gonna, you're gonna get challenged. You're gonna wake up and you're gonna go, Jesus, what are you doing today? And you're gonna see the hand of God and you're gonna stretch out your hand as well and you're gonna see the hand of God operate in and through your life and things are gonna shift and things are gonna Change, Not because you say, what are you sleeping over there for? But you come into a deep-seated revelation of the rest of faith in your life that you know the work is finished, and all I have to do is say, in the name of Jesus, and everything Jesus did will be manifest in my circumstances. We gotta get that deep on the inside of us. We're not struggling for this, we're resting in this. We're not struggling to bring it into expression, we're resting in the fact that it is done, done, done. There's nothing else to be done except for you to stretch out your hand. He's done, he's done, he's on a pillow, he's out. It's your turn. What are you gonna do about these problems? And see, you haven't been given a little bit of power. You're not packing just a little bit of every once in a while. Jesus might show up for you in the name of Jesus. All of heaven will back that up and show up for you. Does anybody believe that? Man, 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 man. And they feared exceedingly. Here's another mega. Are you ready? Now, I reckon if Jesus got up and he said, hush. And I mean elementally. I mean, in every fabric of nature responded to his voice. There wasn't a single cell or a single element that didn't immediately go. And they went, good one, Jesus. Good on you, dude. I thought we were all goners there, but thanks for waking up. Thanks for caring about us. Because that was good. We were kind of wondering if that sleeping thing, what you were pulling over there. But thank God we can wake him up. Amen. Thank God, Jesus. High fives, guys. Good one. Did you see that? Jesus, Jesus, he calmed storm. Woo, gee. Hey. Man, I tell you, I'm relieved. You relieved? Everybody relieved? Whee. That's not what happened. You know what happened when Jesus calmed the storm? They were terrified. It says, great, megas was their fear. Now you would figure if Jesus just delivered you from a hopeless, horrible situation, you would be going, thank you. But they were gone. Full on dread. The word there is terror. Not a little bit, but megas. I don't know about you, but I read that. And I read my Bible. And I read every word. I'm like, that doesn't fit my Sunday school picture. Because my Sunday school picture said, gee, you get in a rough spot, call on Jesus, he'll take care of it. But he took care of a really bad situation, and they were terrified. We have to ask, why were they terrified? Why were they terrified? Here's what they said. Who can this be? What kind of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Could it be that we're a little bit like them? Let me show you. Let me show you. Could it be that we're a little bit like them? See, Jesus calmed the natural storm, but now he stirred up a spiritual storm inside of his followers. The calm on the outside was good, but the terror on the inside was kind of concerning. I'm now in such a conflicted state, I don't even know what to think. And yes, I've been saved and set free. But I'm now wondering, do you know how holy Jesus is? Do you know how mighty and how powerful Jesus is? Do you know that he really is the Lord of all? Do you know that he is the king of glory? Do you know that he is the one who spoke and everything came into manifestation? Do you know that the word of his voice, everything is brought into perfect order? Do you know that it's his voice that keeps the whole world from imploding on itself? Do you know that he is majesty, glorious, king of all the universe? That's who he is. Hey! But you see, they took him in the boat as he was. I think sometimes we bring him in the boat as he was. I just, uh, Jesus, come on. Hey, come hang out with me. Come on, join me in my boat. You got Jesus in your boat? I got Jesus in my boat. You see, they took him as he was. I think sometimes we got a revelation of Jesus as he was. That's why we got that, what would Jesus have done? I don't want what he was doing. I want to know what he... I want to know what he is doing. I don't want to wonder what's going on. I want to know what's going on. And I want to have a personal living walking revelation that I'm walking with the king of glory who with one word can shift everything. If we're going to get out there and we're going to do this, we got to rest in the knowledge of who he is, not who he was. Are you with me? He was, but now who can this be? Mark chapter five, they got out of the boat. Look what it says. And then they came to the other side. Where would Jesus, where was Jesus taking them to? There is another side to your story. There is another side to our journey. There's another side to who we are as Impact Church. We just stepped into another side. We just went to two services. And you know what? I think the first service had more people than the second. And it kind of surprised me. I didn't, I didn't, I thought if we get 70 or 80, that would be good. But we had a lot of people in the first. But you know what? That's really good there's lots of room for us to bring friends now in both services. You know, we're entering into a new season of ridiculous accelerated growth because God is looking for a people who understand what he's doing right now. And we understand that it's time for the city of London to be totally delivered from the yokes and shackles of the enemy. It's time for mental illness to go and brokenness to go. It's time for our streets to be saturated with salvation. And it's time for us to know who he is and also know who we are and for us to start to really not sing about, I speak Jesus, but really go speak Jesus. hmm He got to the other side of the sea. And when he got there and he came out of the boat, immediately a man came running to him. And it was a man. A ten-city region was tormented by this one man. They tried to chain him. They tried to deal with that. There was a spiritual manifestation that was troubling this whole region. And immediately that man came to Jesus. And Jesus delivered him of 6,000 devils immediately with a word. With a word, he hushed all of creation. And with a word, he said, come out. And it's time for us, with a word, to speak to the things that are at work against the freedom and liberty of people in this city. And it's time for us to say, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. Let your mind be manifest in this city as it is in heaven. It's time for us to hold that as our standard and it's time for us, every one of us, I'm going to be so happy on Mondays and Tuesdays when I walk through the chairs and there's no one here because you're all out there doing this. We're all out there doing this because we realize that at the end of our hand, the kingdom of God is ready to manifest. What is Jesus doing? What is Jesus doing? They were terrified. Because they didn't have a full working revelation. He told them everything about intimate knowledge of the kingdom. And yet they had no idea the power that was invested in them. Because you know what should have happened? Jesus should have stayed asleep on the pillow. And every one of them could have said, be still. And he got up and he said, every one of you guys could have done that. And I'm disturbed That you had to wake me up to do something that you could do. Either that or you know what? If Jesus said we're going to get to the other side and he's sleeping on a pillow, grab your pillow and take a nap with him because his word will perform itself. I got a good hallelujah right there. Wasn't that a good one right there? Hey, Lesson is not he can calm your storm, though he can and that is fantastic. I've been in plenty of situations where Jesus, just the mention of his name, has helped me. But the lesson is that he is majestic. He is king. He is ruler over all of elementary nature. And now what does he demand of you? The message is now what does he demand of you? Romans four seventeen to 18 talks about Abraham. Abraham. Says he didn't become our father because he was super special or spiritual. He became our heavenly uh, father of faith, not our heavenly father of faith, but he is the father of faith because when he was a nobody, say nobody. Who does God use? He uses? Is nobody here today? Is there a no, I thought I saw nobody coming in for the second service. Is nobody, did you make it in today? Is there no, is nobody here? You know, God uses old people that are special, that are all fasted up, prayed up. Woo! He only uses people that are Mach 5 in the glory. Hey! No, you know, He uses nobody. Just needs you to put a wristband on. That's what He needs. He told me this morning, get a wristband. <laughs> Stretch out your hand. He said, go lay your hands on the sick, and they shall recover. That's what He said. And Abraham, I mean, he was a nobody. He wasn't a saint. He was a nobody. But everything was hopeless in his life, but he believed anyway. It was hopeless, but he believed anyway. Deciding, not on the basis of what he could see, but what God said he would do. It's not about what you can see. It's about what God said he would do. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. God wants to do it. It's not about what you see. It's not about all the political turmoil and wars. It's about God's word seeking fulfillment. And he's saying, will you... Put a wristband on, and agree with me. That's what he's saying. He wants that. Romans four nineteen to twenty one. And now, not being weak in faith, he didn't consider his body. I mean, he's a hundred years old, and God says you're going to have a child. Say promise. Say promise promise he promised him a child he's dead I mean his wife's womb is dead everything's dead but you know what he did not waver at the promise through unbelief but he was strengthened in faith giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to perform being fully convinced that what he promised he was able to perform and therefore was accounted to him as righteousness the promise is not an invitation or an assignment or a challenge that you've got to do something now to realize it. The promise from God isn't, here's a promise, and if you behave yourself, I'll come through for you. Here's a promise, and if you be a good boy for three or four weeks, you'll really get it. No, the promise is a gift from God. It's not an assignment. It's a free gift from God. You've just got to rest in the reality that the one who spoke it will surely bring it to pass. And if a wind or a wave or something gets in the way, say, Hush! You stay in the rest that I don't got to strive. I don't got to do something. I got to rest in the finished work of the cross and know that he will surely bring it to pass. So your part is rest. Abraham, I love it because when Abraham was given the promise, he just laughed. He laughed. One more verse for you. You ready? Ephesians 2, 5 to 6. We've been made alive together with him. By grace you've been saved. We've been raised up together with him and we've been made to sit together with him in heavenly praises in Christ Jesus. Amen, where are you? I'm seated with him. He seated me. What are you doing? I'm resting in a place of authority. Hebrews 4.1, one more verse. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you may fail to experience it. Isn't that amazing? Tremble with fear not to enter rest. Tremble with fear to ever get into a place where you start striving and doing something and trying to work it up in your own strength. Tremble with fear that you don't remain on a pillow like Jesus did. Last verse, Hebrews 4. I said that already, didn't I? Last verse. Okay, it's my fourth closing. All right. Hebrews 4.11. So then we must be eager to experience this faith rest. Isn't that weird? Be eager to rest. Be eager to rest. We must be eager to experience this faith rest life, the faith rest life, so that no one falls short by following the same pattern of doubt and unbelief. You know what doubt and unbelief looks like? It looks like you trying to work it out on your own. looks like you striving to make happen what already happened. I mean, just rest. Did he say go to the other side? Yes. Are you going to get there? Absolutely. Rest in him. Trust in him. Speak to that situation in Jesus' name. Command it to be all. Come on.